You're listening to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, episode 109. Hello and welcome to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, where we discuss not only who or what might be driving your life, but also the great views and experiences along the way. Do you drive in the fast lane like my wife, or do you feel like you're stuck in first gear? You only get one life to live, and it can be either a total wreck or a beautiful cruise into the sunset. We are three friends that have collectively experienced almost anything that could possibly happen in this crazy world, and we'll be discussing our personal reflections and experiences so hopefully you can avoid running out of gas and truly enjoy the wind blowing in your hair. So hop on in with us for a little road trip called life, and let's discuss who's driving your car. Aye! It's Crack Back a Lacking Podcast World. Welcome back to Who's Driving Your Car, episode 109. Ah! Today we have a guest with us today. Really fired up. We got two guests in the room. I think one will be speaking, but maybe we'll get a little something out of the other one. Uh, we have Chris LeVan in the room with us today, um, who's a Lake Charles native here. Um, we actually went to high school. He was a few years older than I was with my older sister, Shelly, a.k.a. Red, one of John's close friends. Can we give Shelly a shout-out? Yeah, she just had a birthday recently. Happy birthday, girl. Man, she sure did. And Chris works up at the University of Tennessee. I think he's going to tell us a little bit about that, um, along with a book that uh, he has written called Rays of Hope. I, and I think it's going to be a very neat conversation. I've talked to Chris on the phone a few times. A, a, a good journey and a perfect person for continuing our mission of motivating and inspiring through faith and hope and we also have miss betty sims in the room with us today that's right first ever live studio audience here we go <laughs> Woo, miss betty <laughs> and uh i can personally say john before we throw this over to chris i'm pretty excited because you know this is something that i'd probably do have lady J around i know that's what i'm telling that's her my mom, like she, by the way <laughs> she has the same same name as my mom so i'm uh, we talked about getting spouses on and maybe parents and other things like that. So I talked to her before we started. I said, look, you know, if he, you need to jump in and correct the situation over here, we can stop and pull her in <laughs> and correct the record. <laughs> At all times. So we're looking forward to it. I really feel the presence of God in the room today. And uh, Chris, welcome aboard, man. We're happy to have you. Matt, so glad to be here. I appreciate you both, you and Steven, and shout out to Craig. Uh, look forward to meeting him at some point in the future. Look forward to meeting him at some point in the future. So thank you guys for having me. Yeah, Chris. Um, John, what you think, man? I know you've kind of looked into the book a little bit and got to be around Chris. Is mom excited for today or what, man? Yeah, I am excited. You know, uh, guests always bring a different, a little different approach than just uh, the three of us on here. So it's always a fun time to have different perspectives, different um, people's life experiences though so it's always fun to share and uh we're glad that your mom's here also so new dynamics so we're looking forward to it <laughs> okay before we hop in chris we're gonna roll in into the good old weekly segment of would you rather here and john is known for this and as i said miss betty you got to forgive in advance you never know what john's gonna do or say or how he might act john what you got bub okay guys i can't believe you threw me under the bus right in front of mom here hey, we don't lie but, in the lord's presence man. well okay all right, so Chris, we're going to give it to you first. We'll let you start off. So, um, would you rather music or silence? Stephen, it depends on what I'm doing. Um, oftentimes, you need that pick me up that the music brings, mm -hmm. uh, the inspiration, or the reminders that's there. Um, I hate to say it, but sometimes a good audio book 
helps too, working out, driving or whatever. But at the end of the day, and I think we all have busy schedules, a little silence doesn't hurt either. Absolutely. How about you, hot dog? Man, I think this one's a tough one. Uh, I'm with Chris. It kind of depends on the situation because sometimes I love silence, actually. I've gotten more into, I spend a lot of time in prayer, but meditation a little bit. Um, So I do love silence, but then there's those times where you might need a little bit of distraction or, yes, kind of pick you up, sing a little bit. Uh, You might be exercising, want the music. I think if I had to pick one of the two, though, I would take the silence because I like to try to be in the presence. As much as the mind can run, if you sit there long enough, it's going to calm down. Johnny? Well, you know, I I, I do love music. So (laughs) I like the inspiration. I love the dance. I love... uh, you know, the pick-me-up that, you know, you talked about it provided also, um, you know, just getting you amped up before you're going to exercise or play sporting activities. You know, there's a lot of different things that I think music can help uh, influence your emotional um, well-being or your emotional state of where you want to be. Uh, now that I have four kids, though, I will say <laughs> there are some times now where I need some silence. <laughs> but uh, more often than not, I would say um, I'm going to have the music. Not surprising. That was actually not too bad, John. Kevin, Kevin above board here. I'm appreciative of that. Well, Chris, let's roll our way in, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living. I think that's a pretty, you're very impactful, it looks like, on a lot of people up there. Uh, it's at the University of Tennessee, right? Yes, yes. Go balls. Go yeah. balls. Have to throw that in there. Um, yeah, I, it's wonderful to be back home, back in Lake Charles. It's where I grew up. First 18 years. I'm a St. Louis High graduate. Uh, shout out to the Saints, of course. And uh, played football there for four years, was a four-year starter. I was a uh, student body president at St. Louis and uh, really uh, just enjoyed my time there, learned a lot, uh, was in student council and a couple of other things, and then uh, went on to Centenary College in Shreveport, uh, graduated with my bachelor's degree there, and uh, then left uh, Centenary, and uh, that's when I started my career, uh, first working uh, in higher ed, uh, higher ed administration at LSU. Go Tigers, and I earned my uh, master's degree there. I worked there a couple of years, and then actually God brought me back to Centenary. Uh, So I taught there, uh, taught a class there, but I was a director, uh, fortunate enough, at the age of 24. Wow. And um, started working there, uh, stayed there for about seven and a half years, and actually towards the end commuted to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, at Jackson State University. That's where Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders. is the head coach now, the football <laughs> team. And, uh, graduated with my PhD from uh, Jackson State while working at Centenary. And then uh, about six years ago, uh, my wife, Jess, I uh, love you, Jess, uh, we moved to Tennessee for an opportunity to work at the university. So I've been in higher ed administration now for about 16 years. Really Something cool. Like and yes, shout out to Jess. I will say, Jess, I heard the story about your, you and Chris's uh, journey. Super cool. Very much a God thing there. And, um, and what do you do up there at the University of Tennessee exactly, Chris? So I, um, my work title is Executive Director of Teaching and Learning. Uh, but we moved up there to help implement what's called a quality enhancement plan. Um, all these universities from uh, probably the southeast part of the Uh, nation uh, that are accredited by the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools have to complete a five-year QEP. So I was director of that QEP, and we finished it uh, about a year ago, Um, and so uh, that's what I came there for, and it was about experiential learning 
Mm -hmm. uh, service learning, study abroad, internships, doing uh, undergraduate research, just helping to grow those opportunities for students on the campus and training faculty, working with faculty, uh, collaborating with faculty to make those opportunities happen for students. And um, went through a couple of reorganizations, uh, was asked to be an assistant provost for a couple of years, um, helping to do some other things beside the QEP. And then most recently through our second, or excuse me, third reorganization was asked to be executive director over uh, what's basically a teaching and learning center uh, focused on faculty development, helping faculty be successful in their careers at the university. And uh, it's been a, a really fun experience. Talking about the quality and enhancement, uh, did you have any influence on the football program like that? they kind of been <laughs> off the rails for a while. <laughs> Great question, Stephen. <laughs> you know, when LSU came to play UT a couple years ago, I think it was about three years ago now, my brother came in, he and his wife, and they were in there purple and gold, and, you know, I'm an alum, and I want to do it too, but <laughs> they help pay a good portion of our bills, and we, uh, you know, come to have a loyalty for orange on Fridays, and so I wear my orange polo anyway, and, uh, you know, I won't publicly root for the Tigers when they're playing the Vols, but... Uh, yeah, on Saturdays, we always watch both games. <laughs> and so, he keeps uh, that orange going after St. Louis, too. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it was watch. orange and blue, so drop the blue. We don't want to be confused for Florida fans. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all got a pretty good baseball team. I'm not going to let, let that get knocked mm -hmm. off. Y'all have a heck of a run here in baseball pretty recently. Absolutely, yeah. The, the guys have been great. The baseball team's been phenomenal. Uh, softball's been pretty good. And this year, basketball, both men Ooh, and girls, big charge, uh, the Lady Vols, excuse me, have been phenomenal. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really exciting, and, and football was good this, this season. Uh, Coach Heupel's got it moving in a positive direction, so hopefully we can build on that for next year. Yeah, man. Um, it is good times. I, a great area. Chris and I were talking my, my spot in North Carolina. We talk about a lot. John is very close, and where Craig is actually going to be flying into that airport in Knoxville tomorrow morning. Really? <laughs> <laughs> he really Small is. world. Sure Y'all just missed each other. <laughs> Literally. Um well, Chris, I think it's a good time to, to hop into the book, uh, Rays of Hope, and we're going to let you tell some about that. Um, you know, I think the story, as much as what you're writing about, how you found a calling to do it, and, and those things were really impactful. So I, I think for the audience here, this is going to be a pretty neat story, not only of what he's written about, but his, his journey with God uh, along the way. So, Chris, we're going to throw it to you and just why don't you tell us a little bit about what the book's about, the journey, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Matt. You know, it's called Rays of Hope, Inspirational Essays Born from the Pain of COVID-19 in an Ever-Changing Nation. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, both in ebook and print format, or you can visit my website, drchrislevan.com, uh, for more information. Um, it's really a labor of love. Um, it's a prayer God answered from several years back. In fact, just last week, we were doing some cleanup as we were preparing to uh, travel here, and I went through my prayer box, and I noticed um, a prayer that I had written a long time ago that said, God, I want to uh, publish a book, and I want it available on Amazon. And I said, oh, wow, God, okay, you really <laughs> did um, make that happen for me. Uh, I'd really forgotten about that prayer, but God does not forget the prayers that his people pray. Uh, so anyway, um, it wasn't intended to be a book, to be honest. Um, this kind of started when the pandemic started back in spring 2020. Um, I was teaching Sunday school, uh, an adult Sunday school class, and very fortunate to be asked to do it back at our church, um, Ebenezer United Methodist Church in Knoxville. And um, 
just enjoyed it. You know, had a teaching experience in the past. Uh, haven't uh, really gone back into it since being at UT, but it was a great way for me to keep my teaching skills sharp. And so what I'd uh, kind of grown accustomed to doing is every Saturday before the obvious you know, Sunday for, for church is I'd send the class an email. And oftentimes in the email, just say something positive, maybe a short devotional. But when the pandemic hit, as we all know, it changed everything, especially before the vaccines where there was lockdown and all this stuff. And so when our church began to move more remote or online, um, I prayed about it and said, God, well, what can I do? And I wanted to provide spiritual nourishment to my brothers and sisters who voluntarily attended the class each week. Uh, so the short email became more of a longer devotional. And I prayed about it every week and I thank Jess. Uh, she was awesome. And um, shout out to our dog, Louie. She would mm -hmm. come in the study with me and she'd sit by my feet and I'd pray and I'd say, God, what do you want me to write about this week? And so I intended them then to be more of a spiritual nourishment opportunity. And um, I'd send them out to, I don't know, 25, 30 folks every week. And I just kept doing it week after week as we wouldn't come back together for physical church. I just wanted to be another positive source. And I would get some good responses. And uh, one of my, uh, actually one of my sisters in the class said, you should probably think about a book. And I said, huh, maybe I should, but I put it aside at the time. And then unfortunately more uh, kind of, I'll say tragedy struck with the hurricanes. Mm -hmm. Because as I was riding through the spring and summer, some issues were happening here in our hometown. And so you'll see in the book, the part, uh, part one is morning. I wrote those in the morning and those were more for my Sunday school class. But part two is labeled night because I wrote them at night and I posted them directly to Facebook. And that was more for my friends, Facebook friends and family, because they were being displaced from homes and churches and wanted to then again provide spiritual nourishment while they were going through tough times. And then at the end of it, uh, roughly 24 essays, I said, well, let me see if I can really do this and put it together in a book. And to be frank, I reached out to a couple of Christian publishing companies and didn't hear anything. And so I waited several weeks and I said, well, God, I know what you've given me has you know, received, been received positively. Um, and I know what you've given me is good for those who have read it. So show me how to do this. And so he did. And so I decided to take the self-publishing route and figured out how to do it by his grace. Um, it took several months, uh, but here we are with the finished product. And Lord willing, um, there'll be a couple more uh, to come later this year. Yeah, so super cool. That's why he's talking about a couple more books. And maybe we'll, we'll discuss what some of those are about. And I thought it was pretty neat when I was talking to you on the phone, Chris. You, you told me about the impact that your grandfather had on you. Because uh, one of our purposes is motivational and inspirational type happenings. Do you want to talk about his impact in your life a little bit? Yeah, in, absolutely. In the fruition of the book, too, somewhat. Absolutely. Uh, so my grandfather's name was Edgar. This is my mother's uh, father. Um, he um, was huge in my life. I mean, I'm, I'll say, for example, when Matt, you played college baseball, by no means was I even close to doing that. But my first love in terms of playing sports was baseball. Mm. And he would take me to practice and he was always there over the fence and he'd take me to do batting practice and, you know, just always present in my life. 
Uh, my grandmother, the same, and, and together they were married for over 60 years. Wow. Um, so, Incredible. you know, when school was over, especially before I really playing started playing sports seriously, they'd pick me up. Uh, my mother is a retired uh, elementary school teacher and principal for 43 years, so uh, she provided me with a wonderful home and uh, was phenomenal. My dad was great as well at times. Um, although my parents were divorced when, uh, you know, as I started to grow up or whatnot, but my grandparents were there. And so he was a phenomenal influence. And um, later in life, he uh, passed in 2009 of pancreatic cancer. And um, anyway, that's a separate story, but mm -hmm. he had a, a, a huge influence. He was a deacon in the church and uh, really uh, just gave a lot to the community where they lived. And they were here in Lake Charles, too. Yeah, I think family and close friends are, uh, you know, a great support system for us, uh, you know, at all portions of our lives. Certainly whenever, you know, you're developing young children, it's great to have people who you know that are reliable and there for you. I want to go back to something um, we were talking about more along the, the lines of the book. Um, what kind of uh, impact or what kind of responses were you getting whenever you were sending out these uh, weekly or I guess, by daily um, letters that you were sending out? I love that question. Thanks, Stephen, for asking it, because I think it's very important. Um, we've talked, and there are a lot of people out there who want to be authors, who are inspired or have a dream to do it. You know, at first, it was very well received. I would get weekly responses from two or three people in the class or, you know, on Facebook, a couple of likes or a, a couple of comments. And, you know, it was really good at first, but I think it was a test as well that God was putting me through. And let me explain just for a moment what I mean. I think it's two parts. One is in the writing process, I didn't truly have the class in mind. Mm -hmm. What I had in mind when I was writing is one person. If I could help one person, if I could inspire or spiritually feed one person with what I'm writing, that's all. I just had that one person, not a specific person, just any one person that would read this and feel motivation to move forward, to not give up. That was it. And I think that's important as authors or people who aspire to be authors, because in a sense, I feel like I'm an as aspiring still to do this. But it's not about the crowds. Mm -hmm. It's not about the accolades. It's not about, you know, can I be on this magazine cover or people talk about me in these positive lights. It's about God. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're inspired yourself and you have a fervor and a fever for him and you want others to get to know him, that's really what's got to be at the core of our lives as Christian leaders, Christian authors, Christian people or whoever, uh, you know, however you self-identify the gifts that he's given you. The other part and what was key for me, and I'll be honest with you all. In the past, I've had kind of an itch as a people pleaser. I want to, you know, fall in line with and, and be patted on the back and, you know, be, be uh, you know, kind of lifted up there as, as, you know, reliable Chris, responsible Chris, whatever. But I had to get to a point where I said, I'm not doing this for the responses of the crowd. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to send this out on Saturday and if no one responds, I'm okay because I know I sent out what my heavenly father told me to send out. 
And mm. that's key because in this day and time, it's all about popularity or the quick fix or the fast success. And that's not what God always tells us. That's You, you can look at several people in the Bible, whether it be the David who was out in the field and was trained by the, the bears and the lions to eventually defeat Goliath, which I talk about in the book. Or you talk about the Moses who was split in, in, you know, going hundreds of different directions and his father-in-law had to come in and say, no, you need to appoint and delegate in order to get all this stuff done before you drive yourself crazy. We need to think about those things. The people come and go. They came and, and went for our Lord and Savior, but he was always attached to his purpose, to his alignment with God, what he was seeking to do in the moment. And that's where I had to get it. It wasn't about the responses after a few weeks. Mm -hmm. I said, God, tell me what you want me to say. And that's it. And I will be satisfied. And after a few weeks of taking that approach, my, my, my things changed. Because then when responses came in, it didn't stimulate me. It didn't, you know, it didn't matter what people were saying. I was going to do what God gave me to do. And that's our key. I think that's really important for us is we need to check ourselves and ask the question, why are we doing it? Who's motivating me? That, man. Who's motivating me? Am I motivated because I want to be in alignment with the spirit and I know God is my source? Or am I doing this because I want my name in the paper? or I want a hundred likes, or I want a thousand friends. Because those people who lift you up one day will stab you in the back the next. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be direct and rude, I, I but I'm just too. talking about us as people. The Bible shows it to us. They loved him one time, and then when it came to his crucifixion, they tore him down. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to be mindful of that. He taught us a certain way to work and live and grow and do. And so we need to really take notice of our Savior's approach. It's still uh, relevant today. Yeah, I think, go ahead, Jonians. I'm just going to say I agree. I mean, I think that spiritual nourishment is extremely important. And, uh, you know, it is something that, you know, we were kind of in the same boat as you were whenever we're starting out. We're like, oh, we want to get more people liking and more people sharing this information. Uh, but as time has gone on for us, you know, doing the podcast, it's something that has become less important, but it is still a, you know, a wonderful thing whenever you, people come up to you and tell you how, you know, whatever you said or whatever message you did, how it touched them in their life and how they interact with their family moving forward. So I think you're right on point, you know, looking at it from a point of how can I just say what the Lord has on my heart and wants me to express. And then it's up to everyone else to receive that message once you put it out there. So I think that's a great way of looking at it. You know, another thing that I think is underlying cool and, and what I was talking about in the early part of the, the cast when we came on with Chris is your journey with faith and with God. I mean, you are uh, you seem to be someone that I personally admire and get fired up being around talking to um, the time you have apparently spent with the Lord, hearing his voice, being with him. And I, I'm a big believer in having faith. You know, it's on its most simplistic form, believing in something you cannot see. And it seems to me that there's a big faith element to that got you to this point. Can you talk a little bit about that for us as well? I mean, yes. that could be back to starting with the, the letters to the church, to your, to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, all the way to writing the book, but just having faith in something you could not see, didn't even know how to, to write a book, to getting where we are. Absolutely. Um, man, I appreciate you for bringing that up. It, it, it's been quite a journey. God's purpose for us is always bigger than our dreams. 
God's purpose for us like is that. always bigger than our dreams. You know, th- this wasn't intended to be a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this was uh, at the beginning of the pandemic back in spring 2020 and lockdown, and we're asked not to come to church together physically. You know, it was just meant, intended for my brothers and sisters to have some kind of spiritual nourishment that Sunday um, as I was a Sunday school teacher at our, at our church at the time. And then obviously, as I mentioned before, grew. Um, it, it's really been an endeavor of um, endurance. It's been an endeavor of perseverance. It hasn't always been easy. It's often been uphill, but it's absolutely been worth it. Um, even my own spiritual journey has been interesting. Um, you know, growing up here, I attended Mount Olive Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when Reverend Sidney Fontenot was the, uh, the pastor. I was the first baby that he christened. Uh, this was back in um, early to mid-80s. And, you know, grew up as an usher, grew up in the, the singing in the choir and uh, youth department and all those things. And to be frank, and I know my mom's in the room, but when I went off to college, I didn't go to church. <laughs> that face over there. <laughs> I didn't go to church the first couple of years that I was off at college. Uh, sometimes uh, Sunday would have a little bit of a hangover and <laughs> I would do laundry. And But God calls you back. Mm-hmm. And that's what was key is those things had been planted in me. Now, just because I didn't physically go to church didn't say that I uh, didn't have my Bible with me. Mm-hmm. I kept reading. And it was actually a guy that uh, I met in college um, who was not a believer, who had read the Bible cover to cover. And I said, wait, you're a non-believer. You've read what I say is my Bible as a Christian cover to cover, and I haven't even read it. And that sparked me because I'm a competitor. I'm a former yeah. athlete. Um, just like, you know, Matt, you, you have that college uh, background in baseball and um, others of us competitive, successful in our careers. Um, that sparked something in me. So I said, OK, I need to do something because I, I try not to be again. I'm, I'm human. Try not to be a hypocrite. And so I found a 365-day Bible, and I said, I got to get through this. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it multiple times. And I'm not going to sit here and say how many times I've read the Bible cover to cover, but I have read the Bible cover to cover in more than one translation more than once. And then I started uh, in that reading, because God calls you in as you read, I um, subscribe to what I call the uh, Joshua 1 and Daniel 6 diet. Joshua 1 and 8 talks about when Moses died and Joshua stepped in because he was called to after being Moses's assistant. God told him this. God told Joshua, if you stop and read my word morning and night every day. I guarantee your success with these people. So I took God at his word. Mm -hmm. Daniel 6 and 10 says, and we know the story of Daniel. He was exiled, taken from uh, his homeland and all that, um, you know, re-indoctrinated with this foreign education. Uh, Some other things happened that we don't have time to get into. But Daniel 6 and 10 talks about despite where Daniel was planted He still gave glory to God. So every day he would leave, quote unquote, the office and he would go home and he would get on his knees 
and thank God for what God had done for him that day, that point, that season in his life. That was his practice. I subscribe to that. So I have alarms on my phone. I get up in the morning. I don't check the Internet. I get up in the morning. I don't check text message. I get up in the morning and I often either get on my knees or open the Bible or I open the Bible and then get on my knees. Mm -hmm. And before I go to bed at night, just knows I'm going somewhere in the house and I'm praying and I'm reading the Bible often. And I love this. And I'll say this shout out to Pastor Rick Warren and a couple of others. Not that he'll ever hear this, but he talks (laughs) about um, there are 31 books in Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. So oftentimes you can read Proverbs in a month. And I can't tell you how many times I've read the book of Proverbs. I love it. It's my favorite book of the Bible. And it only takes a few minutes a day. So that's what I subscribe to. Mm-hmm. And I will. I will go find a quiet place and I will pray in the middle of the day. You don't have to call people in to pray. You don't have to be loud and boisterous to pray. We all know you can be quiet in your own mind and just acknowledge and thank God. He knows. Mm-hmm. So that was part of my spiritual journey, too. And then the last piece that was key, and then I'll be quiet because I know we've got a lot to discuss. But when my grandfather passed, he was a deacon in the church, as I said, and I always wanted to be a deacon. And by then, God had called me back into the church. And so um, I, I uh, was fortunate. We were living in Shreveport at the time. I attended Zion Baptist Church, uh, where Pastor uh, Brady Blade is um, still the leader. I, I loved that man. He, he was such a wonderful teacher of the Word of God and asked me at the age of 25 to be one of his deacons. Wow. I, saw, I didn't see that coming, gentlemen. I didn't see that coming. And that, that moment, because I'll be honest, I didn't go to church the Sunday that that was announced. But mm-hmm. one of the deacons called me and said, Chris, we need to talk. And so Uh, I I listened to that and I told my mother and a couple others in the family because that was a moment that said, you can't be a hypocrite anymore. You can't live this way yet. Call me your savior. Sometimes I don't, and I know everyone has a different, you know, kind of path in life, but that moment was a game changer for me. Certain relationships I had to let fade away certain habits I had to let go, and I had to make my own personal commitment to him at that point. And so I went through the ordination process and became a deacon at 25, did that for about five years, and then it got, God came in again, and right around 30, 31 or so, and this was after Jess and I were married, um, he called me to leave the Baptist church. And that took several weeks, months of prayer. Or am I really hearing you? Is this really what you want me to do? And that's in part to uh, no longer have she and I go to church at every, you know, go to church in alternating churches. Mm -hmm. Because she would come to church with me one Sunday, then the next Sunday I'd be in the United Methodist Church. And so it was tough because I had to leave behind what I, my dream, what I wanted Uh, But again, God's purpose for us is always bigger than our dreams. So I willingly gave it up because of the example of my grandfather and grandmother. My grandfather was Catholic. My grandmother was Baptist. He left the Catholic church so that their whole family could be Baptist. 
So I had that example and I knew it was possible, and plus I wanted to be obedient, so I left the Baptist church, joined the United Methodist Church, and I've been United Methodist ever since. Uh, to me, what's most important is are we serving the same God? Not Absolutely. how we do it, but are we still serving uh, Jesus Christ who hung on the, on the cross and died for us and was resurrected? If we are, then I'm good. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, I... I was just going to say, you know, you talked about something that I actually read in the book um, beforehand uh, about, you know, straying away from the church for a while during college, uh, your early college years. And I think, you know, statistically speaking, um, a lot of kids do that whenever they enter into college. I know everybody has different reasons uh, for doing that. Uh, you being in that academic setting now, what do you think is uh, influencing that uh, consistent stray at that time in people's lives? That's a great question, Stephen. I, I can't speak for, you know, a, a lot of people, but for me, you know, it was uh, very uh, disciplined uh, growing up in terms of, you know, we were at church on Sunday, sometimes even Sunday night, sometimes, um, well, oftentimes it was at least once Sunday, sometimes up to three times, um, because we'd have area youth week <laughs> and other activities. Um, and then now you're Tuesday, right. mom shaking her head. Well, um, <laughs> and then Tuesday was always youth department meeting and other things. And, you know, I, I think sometimes kids need to live, you know, and I, I so, you know, at this point in my life, uh, and I'm still, I consider myself still a young man at 37, but. Um, I'm grateful for everything my mom did. I'm grateful for everything. My dad was Catholic. So when I was with him, you know, we were still going to church and obviously my grandparents the same. But, um, you know, being out of the house, I think sometimes you got to grow a little bit on your own and and kind of test boundaries. And and I appreciate that she let me make some mistakes, but I most appreciate God for not allowing the mistakes I made to become permanent. Um, his grace abounds in, in so many significant ways in my life. But um, I, I think, you know, when you leave the, the, the home, the family, um, you know, the, it does open up opportunities. And, and there's also with those opportunities, temptations. And I think that's why it's so important that parents pray for their kids, that older brothers and sisters pray for their younger siblings, that uncles and aunts pray for their nieces and nephews, because God is everywhere that we can't be. Mm-hmm. And he will guide them and keep them on the right path. But it's again, you talked about it earlier, Matt, often about faith. Yeah. And, and I wanted to, to see, this is a question that I find very interesting and have asked before, thought about a lot, going in my own journey in life, dealt with it, still do. Your relationship with God, I, I really wasn't lying when I said that about five, 10 minutes ago. It's, it's really inspiring to me. But that's something like any relationship that takes time, effort, commitment, can you maybe talk to the listeners a little bit about things that you find beneficial in your own life, whether that be praying at the different times throughout the day, um, you know, writing. I don't know if you do any journaling, stuff like that, because I think we all want something we want in life is, man, I, I want to do this or I want to be that. Or And for me personally, it's I just want to hear what God's telling me to do. I personally battle that a little bit with, man, am I using God's gifts and talents to the best of my ability? What was What is my purpose to be on earth? Things like that. Can you talk about some of the tips, um, tools that you've maybe used to develop this, this strong relationship you have with the Lord? Wow. Um, Matt, thank you so much for that question. Um, my relationship with the Lord is still evolving and growing. Well said. Um, last episode, or I think it was 107, that uh, you all talked about 
uh, that I recently listened to was about simplifying your life. Mm-hmm. And I think in this day and age where there's so many distractions, headlines, internet, text, social media, all these things all around us, um, it's really important for us to, number one, know who we are, know what motivates us, know our source, know our our, our likes and dislikes, and um, understand that about ourselves. And um, I think uh, we talked about it earlier with the question about uh, music and silence, Stephen, is understanding that silence is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But the world, which we will be all, you know, let's be honest about, uh, with, with Satan always lurking, is seeking to distract us. The Bible tells us he's seeking to kill and destroy. He's always around, uh, looking for ways to pull us off track. And it doesn't have to be these major quote-unquote sins of illegal drugs and adultery and alcoholism and stealing. Sometimes it's just a little bit longer on ESPN <laughs> <laughs> then you want to be. And there's nothing wrong with you know ESPN or shopping online or playing a game on your phone. Absolutely not. Nothing wrong with those things. I don't want to get that twisted. But what I'm saying is we need to know our priorities. We need to know our priorities. So I've done different things, for example, where absolutely, Matt, you meant you, you uh, excuse me, said journaling earlier. I journal almost every day. It's a great source for me to clear my it really head. Is. I, I do it sometimes. Um, I have a journaling practice and I won't say I, I do this every day and you know, times past I have. But before I go to bed at night, I'll just write five things I'm thankful for. Thank you, Lord, for the dinner with Jess earlier. Thank you, Lord, for the run with Louie this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the conversation and prayer with my mom. Just five things. And my wife uh, shared this with me not not long ago. We're a people who often seek happiness um, as if it's this wonder drug. But I think it's it's thankful people who are happy. You know, it, well, the other way around, you know, happy people are, no, 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 no. Be thankful first. And there, we can all find something to be thankful for, and then the happiness will follow. Don't chase happiness. Find something mm-hmm. to be thankful for. And I think everybody, uh, based off your skills, gifts, talents, abilities, um, you know, our, our different walks of life, uh, that's a good starting place that I've found always to be reliable. No, I really like that. And uh, I have a random question. Can you know about the prayer box that you mentioned earlier? Oh. What's, what's going on with this? I was wondering uh, about that also. So absolutely. The, <clears throat> the prayer box, um, well, let's go all the way back. So there was a time uh, several years ago where, um, and I'm going to be frank, I battled depression a little bit. Uh, I'll go back to 2008, uh, a time where I was um, uh, working through my master's degree and also working at LSU. Um, had gone through a significant breakup, um, ruptured my left Achilles tendon, uh, couldn't walk for four months, um, a number of things. I had a great aunt who died of a brain aneurysm, and just things were heavy on me. It, it was really hard going through my, my hardest, uh, diff- most difficult, excuse me, semester of graduate school at the time, and um, saw it a counselor. And uh, this uh, guy that I was going to was uh, also had a Christian background, thank God, and uh, provided me with several books and strategies that I was able to use and implement to work my way out of those dark clouds. And one of them that he shared was to uh, have a, a prayer box. And so I have a box. I still keep it to this day. And I'm a big believer in repetition. Repetition deepens the impression, whether that's with 
marketing and communications or whether that's with principles and values or whether that's just simply listening. I'll say it this way. Growing up, even now, I guess, with popular music, we listen to a song over and over and over again. And that gets in our mind and we memorize the lyrics and then we are cool in front of our friends because we know lyrics (laughs) to songs or movies or whatever. But it's the same principle with with the Bible or with positive and inspirational things. Uh, If we listen or, or, or... um, read the Bible over and over, it gets into our spirit. And so one of those, I say that because one of my favorite scriptures is in Matthew, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And towards the end, it talks about do not worry about Love tomorrow, it. tomorrow Take worry about itself. itself. Yeah. Yes. And so I read that almost, almost daily, so at least several times in a week. And so I, I say that to say with the prayer box, that's the principle behind it. It doesn't take much. It could be a shoe box and just write prayer box on the top. But the idea is to get, whether it be scrap paper, note cards, write down your dreams, write down your worries, write down the things that challenge or concern you, and then put it in the prayer box. And that's a physical representation of letting those worries, letting those challenges, letting those issues go putting it in God's hands. That's what the prayer box represents. That box represents his hands. And I was telling um, Matt and Stephen earlier, um, just last week I was going through my prayer box, hadn't gone through it in months. Um, Maybe it'd been a year. And inside the prayer box was a prayer I'd written, I mean, years ago, God, I want a book that people can buy on Amazon. And lo and behold, he did it in a way that I didn't even realize he was doing it. Yeah. Uh, so that's where kind of that idea of the prayer box comes from. Man, I love it. Uh, and I think a lot of us, including myself, can take something from that. And before we, we roll into our, our last main question, I have one other thing for you, Chris. Um, when we were chatting on the phone, I guess that was a couple of weeks ago, you said that we have a responsibility to love, listen, and encourage one another. I don't know if you recall telling me that, but it, it was stuck out enough that I wrote it down here. Um, can you talk about that responsibility that you feel each of us have? Lord, help me with this. I'm going to say something, and I hope I don't step on too many toes. But it worries me um, two things in society today. It worries me that the blue of the Democrats and the red of the Republicans is becoming something that we are more loyal to than the in God we trust on the back of our money. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned at times when I, whether read a news headline or um, you know, see something on TV, um, we're all Americans. I love this country. I've experienced racism for reasons I didn't deserve, but I love America. And so to still at this day and time, um, see some of the ways in which we categorize each other, when we all love food, we all want love, we all need shelter, we forget, I think, too often about the ways that unite and connect us We focus too much of our time and energy on the things that divide us. Mm -hmm. And so I believe when we can get beyond those categorizations that are man-made, human, and often foolish and see the heart of people, because if you cut my wrist or if you cut someone else's wrist whose skin is different from me, I'm going to say it, or someone who's transgendered, 
or someone who's bisexual. I'm not trying to get, but I'm just got to say, you cut their wrist and you cut mine, red is going to come out. Blood. I have a responsibility to my fellow man, to my fellow woman, to love them first, to listen to them. James talks about it in the Bible, to slow down your response, to listen first. And I think that's part of our responsibility as Christians. And I think when we do that and we put our loyalty with God first, when we look at these unifying factors, such as this red, white, and blue flag that we, so many of our, in the past, and I'm not a veteran, but I, I often stop in the store and shake the hands of our military men and women or our police and, and, and fire uh, men and women who, who give their time or first responders or even teachers who put so much out there so that our children can learn and grow in this difficult time. Um, those are things we need to focus more on. So when we were talking on the phone, you know, that's where I think it is, is key. And we have to do that when others won't do it. We have to set the example. I think that's so important. We can't look for someone to put their hand out to us first. We have to be willing to bite our tongues, shake their hands, give them a hug first, meet them where they are. Because, and I was talking to Jess about this yesterday, we're driving in the car. I'm a big believer. We have gotten words and actions mixed up. We talk too much. We don't do enough. Our actions will speak louder than our words if we focused on making sure that our actions are true and authentic. I 100% agree. I always say, man, you can look at somebody and, and anybody can say something, but it's what somebody does at the end of the day that speaks much louder to it. A, a word is easy to say, but doing something, at least me personally, that's how I, I roll with, to somebody, their character, et cetera, is I'll trust somebody, but till you see it, there's still a different word, different deal there. No, I agree. And I think that's a great point. You know, I think right now, you know, society is divided into too many different categories where people are being pitted against one another for, uh, you know, like you said, political gain in a lot of senses. So you're right. We're all here. We're all ch uh, children of God. And uh, we all should be pursuing and helping everyone else pursue that lofty goal of getting and returning back to heaven one day. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, I, I love it. And I could tell that stuck out. Like I said, I, I do think we Chris is saying that very well. We've got a responsibility to love, listen and encourage one another. Uh, we are only here for a short time. Like I like to say a lot, you snap your finger once, one second gone, one second closer to eternity. So how we live those seconds, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and the moment being the biggest deal of the deal, but there's much bigger and greater things in store um, for us ahead. So Chris, before we do shut it down, we like to ask all our guests the, the good old question that kind of speaks behind the podcast, and that is who or what is driving your car? There's no right or wrong answer to it. We've had things like sense of urgency, God, free will, uh, your spouse, maybe your job. And I think that that answer can change for all of us at different points in our lives. But what comes to mind whenever we ask you that question, my man? Yeah, I appreciate uh, being able to respond to it. My initial response is God, but I'm not going to sit here and act perfect because I'm not. Um, really, the whole answer should be and really is for me uh, striving every day for it to remain God. Uh, so many things happen to us. Uh, I know we all know that and can pull us and distract us in many different directions. But I think the key is being mindful of the drift, noticing when we're drifting away from our principles, noticing when we're drifting away from what we say is important and being willing to come back 
And I lastly say that because I think as leaders, uh, as people who, you know, go after it and, and try to be successful, I think what's so important is as Christian leaders, not just giving grace to others, but giving grace to ourselves. I often talk with um, whether it be colleagues or friends who I know are leaders, and it's so easy for us to forgive somebody else's mistakes. Oh, yes, you came in later. Oh, yes, it's, it's turned in later. Oh, yes, you know, we were able to work through because something happened with your family or something happened with you. That's fine. But we've got to give that same grace to others. We can't give away what we don't have. And so that's a, a almost a daily or seasonal struggle that, you know, I often try to keep my eyes on is, am I giving to others what I have plenty of myself? Uh, so, again, uh, striving to make sure that God uh, remains at the wheel of my car. Uh, but it's a, it's an each day commitment. Man, I love that. And I think that that's a, a well said, something we all should be striving to do. And Chris, we really appreciate um you coming on the podcast today, and I know you mentioned early on about your website and Amazon, but again, tell people where they can find what you've got more about yourself and what you've got going on, the book and the potential future books you got, uh, where they can reach you and find you. Matt, I appreciate it. Uh, this has been a wonderful experience. I thank you and Stephen, and again, shout out to Greg for the invitation. I've truly enjoyed the conversation. Uh, for those listening, the book is called Rays of Hope, Inspirational Essays Born from the Pain of COVID-19 and an ever-changing nation. You can find it on Amazon, both in ebook through Kindle, but also uh, in print and paperback. And my website is drchrislevan.com, drchrislevan, L-A-V-A-N.com. Chris, thanks again for coming on. And, uh, you know, I wish I had known beforehand that you had graduated with my brother-in-law or I would have been asking him for some dirt on you to kind of poke and prod on you. That's usually what I do. I did. He goes, man, we got to get some dirt on these guys. I think you'd have fine diddy on this guy. I'm not going to lie. Look, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I usually like to pick at uh, our guests a little bit whenever we have some inside scoop that we can get. So anyway, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a great conversation. And mom, thanks for coming in and sitting in. Absolutely being our first live studio audience. So that's great. We enjoyed having you also. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, Chris, we appreciate it. And guys, uh, we have uh, enjoyed uh, Chris today. And if you get a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, we'd appreciate that as well. And until next time, we'll catch y'all later. Aye. Hey, y'all. If you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down, subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast. Perfect timing, sun is shining, nothing more I need. Yeah. If you feel like this your best life, won't you sing with me?